everybody. You are listening to Hotter Than Health, the podcast. This is a podcast focusing on fitness, nutrition, and an overall healthy lifestyle. My name is Eliza Gellman, and I am so happy to have you here with me for today's episode. pumped for today's podcast. We've got an amazing guest. We've got Emma Katzka of Emma Katzka Bridal. She's a local Charleston chic, beautiful bridal accessory extraordinaire. Make sure you guys go check her out on Instagram at Emma Katzka Bridal. It's just beautiful. Um, And we talk all about entrepreneurship. We talk about nutrition. We talk about pregnancy, working out, relationships, dating, breakups, We talk about, you know, being plant-based when your husband is a carnivore. We talk about so many different topics. It gets so juicy. She is wise beyond her years. You're going to love her. Quick disclaimer before the podcast starts. Um, She lives in a beautiful Charleston home. Just the style is impeccable. Everything is classic mid-century chic with her own bohemian twist and so the ceilings are so high and gorgeous so my voice is a little echoey hers is crystal clear duh because she's better at this than I am um but just so you know I'm well aware it's not my best quality but she's really who we're listening for anyways before we get into today's podcast I know I mentioned this last week we're going to be doing a review of the week it really is just, you know, it's cringy how often I ask for reviews because I just really want to grow this thing. And the best way to get the ratings up and get the reviews going and get this thing growing and growing is to build the reviews. It really, really helps with SEO. I know we hear on a lot of podcasts, you guys probably listen to other podcasts where it's like, rate and review and like and share and subscribe. But I truly mean like, I'm trying to grow this thing monetizing is not that easy. You have to get, you know, 30,000 listens per hour. Not really. I don't know the numbers, but I mean, it's a lot of listens. So trying to bring that up, I know I can do it. So I'm just going to do everything that I can. I'm going to let them flow in like they've never flown in before. So if you haven't reviewed the podcast, what the hell are you doing? You're probably driving right now. Well, if you're driving, when you're not driving, go on to iTunes, like, rate, subscribe. It is so unbelievably helpful. All right. So before we get started, quick shout out to new fan. Her, her screen name on her review is UF Loves Curtsy. So I don't know what your real name is, but new fan UF loves curtsy. Super informative podcast with a host who knows what she's talking about, is backed by science and studies, and is speaking from a place of her own personal growth. So happy I stumbled upon her episode with Helen Hall and then deep dived into her other episodes. Aw, well, new fan. You're awesome. Thank you so much for your review. UF loves curtsy. New fan. Whoever you are, Thank you so much. Slide into my DMs or chat me on my website and let me know that it's you and I will send you a coffee. Again, let me know. My Instagram name is at Eliza G underscore wellness. We're rebranding here at Eliza G underscore wellness. Um, Thank you so much for your review. You're awesome. Helen Hall is awesome. Shout out to Helen. 
Um, she's actually going to be on here in December, so we're going to be getting some goods from her. And if you don't know who Helen is, she created ben- Blender Bombs, Hush Up and Hustle. She's the shit. Y'all will love her. Anyways, um, before we get into today's episode, also wanted to make sure that I gave you guys uh, the code for Aura Organics. All right, just going to, I'm going to just, again, it's cringy. I'm well aware. I'm going to deep dive into why I just could roll around in organics branding slash protein powder all day. I'm not a massive supplement whore, you know, as some people may think I am. I'm really not. But if I were to be, and the only supplements that I use is a protein powder, I use a probiotic, and a couple of different vitamin C, vitamin D, not vitamin C, just vitamin D, a couple of different, different pills for like renal function, but that's not what we're talking about here. So Aura Organics, they are the highest quality in my eyes. They are the highest quality supplementation company. Everything they do is organic. Everything they do is high quality processing. And I know processing gets a harsh term, but when you need supplements and you're going to buy these things anyways, you want to make sure that they're tested for heavy metals. You want to make sure that it's all organic ingredients. You want to make sure that they're complete or in- <laughs> complete proteins, especially if you're getting a protein powder. So if you are interested in, I don't know if you can hear Howard going apeshit in the background. Sorry guys. But if you are interested in using this code, oh my God, is someone chasing after him with a knife? Jesus. Either way, um, <laughs> the code is Eliza G 15 and I highly recommend purchasing the chocolate protein powder. It's my favorite. It doesn't have any unnatural sweeteners in it. It doesn't have any like stevia. It doesn't have any, I don't even think it has any monk fruit powder. It's just naturally sweetened with cacao. So Eliza G15 and make sure you get the chocolate protein powder. Make sure that you get the probiotics. They're amazing. My roommate just ordered the powdered probiotics. So I'll keep you posted about that. And if you do like pre-workout or if your husband takes pre-workout, I'm sorry, I don't mean to generalize. If your partner takes pre-workout, if your friend takes pre-workout, if your sister takes it, whoever at the gym in your family takes pre-workout, replace their bullshit that probably is like Laffy Taffy flavored with their uh, product that they have on their website. Their pre-workout, it's under their fitness and wellness category. It's amazing and it's made with beet juice, which has niacin. It helps to circulate blood It helps to circulate blood. It allows a little bit more oxygen in so that you can use a little bit more energy, get that nice pump in there. Beet juice has been shown to be like the best probiotic or not probiotic, pre-workout. So get the probiotic, get the protein powder, and definitely check out the pre-workout beet juice. It's incroyable. It's French for incredible. And yeah, that's where my money is going is to freaking French classes. I haven't done my Duolingo in like a month and a half. God, maybe I'll do that tonight. But either way, use Eliza G15 for 15% off. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Emma Katska. You will love her. Hello, everybody. We are here with the beautiful Emma Katska of Emma Katska Bridal. Uh, We are sitting on her couch in her beautiful Charleston home with her beautiful dachshunds luna and Maisie. today on the podcast we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship being a female badass business owner we'll talk about relationships heartbreaks pregnancy hormones diet 
all that good stuff. Uh, we are so lucky to have Emma. She's going to give a bit of a bio and give us some background on how she got started. Um, Emma and I met while I was a trainer at a gym in Charleston, and then we became close friends. We talked about food constantly, and you know, we've just grown this beautiful little friendship. So. Emma, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little background, what you do, a little about your business. Give us the rundown. Well, hi. Thank you for having me. Thanks Thank for you for here. thanks for being in my living room. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I I feel like you and I have really like run the gamut of things that we've like bonded over and talked about. But I'll just give you kind of a quick background on me. I grew up in Philadelphia, and then I spent most of my earlier adult life in New York City. I always knew I wanted to be a fashion designer of some sort. Um, so I didn't study it in college. I studied art. But I, right out of college, started working as a fashion designer in New York City. Um, I worked for a bunch of different companies, like three companies over eight years. And the whole time I kind of knew, like, eventually I wanted to design for myself and I wanted to carry out my own vision um, but obviously living in New York City it's very hard to um, make that happen with crazy cost of living and um, all those things so I was kind of just biding my time and climbing up the ladder um, at other places and Wait, where did you work what kind of brands did you work with um, so I worked for um, some licensees that work for like Urban Outfitters and Anthropology, um, Cynthia Rowley uh, I'm trying to think who else, Nanette Lepore. Um, and then my last job before I left New York was for Ellie Tahari. Okay. Um, so, and the whole time I was in the accessory sector. So I was designing like hats and scarves and gloves. Cool. Yeah. So I was working for all these various companies in the accessory sector, um, doing soft accessories. And the whole time just kind of thinking in the back of my mind that eventually I wanted to like take the leap to owning my own business wasn't ever quite sure exactly how that would look it was kind of constantly changing in terms of what products I was going to focus on but I just knew I wanted to like have that creative outlet um, and then during that time I met my husband and we got married and um, towards the end of my time in New York um, we got married about a year before we left New York and um, after I'd bought my dress, I was looking for accessories and I just, I had, I've always had this terrible habit <laughs> throughout my entire life of envisioning something that I want for myself and then not being able to find it in the world. And I think that's kind of what leads me and has led me a lot of times to like creating things for myself. And so this kind of happened to me again where I had this idea of this headpiece that I wanted and I just couldn't find it anywhere. I scoured Etsy and bridal salons and everything. And I was like, you know what? I've never done this before, but I'm pretty handy. Um, I obviously had a background in like sewing and basic construction. So um, I figured I would just try to make it myself and see how it worked out. And it came out pretty well. So I brought the crown to my final dress fitting at a salon in New York in Soho. And um, the person who was helping me with the fitting saw the crown that I was trying on with my dress and asked if I had bought it at that salon. And, you know, at that point, the gears were kind of turning in my head and I was kind of like, oh, well, if this person who works at this salon mistook it for something that they sell, then I guess it must be 
of good enough quality and like craftsmanship for them to be able to sell this kind of thing. So I kind of realized that that could be a good opening and it was something I, I had really enjoyed making it. Um, and at that point, my husband, who's a doctor, um, at the time was applying for fellowships and we had both kind of decided we were done with the rat race in New York and we wanted to move somewhere that was just like a little more affordable, a little more relaxed. Um, and the planets just kind of aligned and I realized that it was the perfect time for me to kind of branch out and start my own business, especially leaving in New York and not having to worry about crazy rent and having, being able to afford a space mm -hmm. and, um, even just having space in your own tiny apartment to be able to take on like a new business endeavor. Yeah. So I started it before we knew we were moving to Charleston, but after we knew we were leaving New York and I just kind of hoped that wherever we ended up would be friendly for, for me to be able to do this. You um, just happened to move to one of the most yeah. popular wedding destinations in the U.S. Yes, it was a very happy accident. We had no intentions of moving to Charleston. We had every intention of moving to California. Um, my best friend lives in San Francisco and we were like basically all ready for him to accept a job offer out there. And then um, MUSC at Charleston offered him, both of us actually, just like a free trip here for a weekend to kind of see it um, and for him to have a second look. And um, we got here and I was just like, this is amazing, we should live here. And so we scrapped all our California plans and we moved here. And I'm obviously sad that I like didn't get to live in the same city as my best friend again, <laughs> but I think it worked out. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it ended up being just like a really happy accident that Charleston is such a wedding friendly city and that I was just like kind of on the precipice of starting a, a wedding company. So totally. yeah. Well, I also think it's great that you, you know, you have this creative vision, but you are so open to shifting during that time. like you didn't necessarily know that you how you were going to open up your own business but you were like I always kind of wanted to and you kind of just let it happen you were open to those experiences and you were open to feedback and you kind of just let your intuition guide you in that sense and I want to hear how you how you went from being in this rat race doing all these things and working for all these really successful people to doing your own branding your own marketing having your name behind these accessories that you're making by hand and when I say by hand and you can't really see it in your house right now it's so clean and organized but <laughs> her workshop oh well you have a new office space that is why her <laughs> workspace is the most you know intricate shop it's it's beads it's stones it's wires it's metals it's different you know it's an actual workshop like you are creating these pieces so when you're going through this transition of making your own jewelry, how would you tell someone to eliminate their self-doubt? Because I feel like when people are starting their own businesses, it's like, how am I going to do this? You know, what were your exponential beliefs? Like, how did you know that you could do this? Um, well, I think first of all, like something that I've kind of always tried to live by like whether I was working for myself or for other people is like constantly just keeping promises to myself and like making sure that I follow through on them because I feel like that's really what builds like self-confidence especially when it comes to your business so like even when I had you know jobs um, working for other designers or other companies you know I would always be 
thinking about the next step or the next achievement, the next thing that I wanted to do, whether it was something really small, like, okay, I want to be the next designer that gets to travel to Europe to go comp shopping, or I want to, you know, have my own office for the next position that I hold. And I would just constantly kind of have these goals and then I would just work really hard to reach them. Like it sounds really just simple and like I'm making it sound very dumb, but like the just like having goals and then achieving them, even if they're small, kind of makes you realize, oh, I just did that. I can do the next thing. Um, So I feel like that just generally has been really helpful and important for me Um, in terms of making the transition from working for these other companies to working for myself. I mean, it was terrifying. Like, I'm not going to say that I wasn't scared. Um, I think obviously knowing that I was leaving New York was really helpful because um, doing this kind of thing and trying to expand in this way in like such an unaffordable city is just next to impossible. I mean, I have friends who've done it and I'm like in awe of them because I Mm -hmm. don't know how they achieved it. Um, So knowing that I was kind of evening the the playing field in terms of expenses in a different way um, was helpful. And I also did wait until I got to the point in my career at Ellie Tahari where I was making enough money that I could really stockpile enough Mm -hmm. to feel comfortable making that transition later and kind Mm -hmm. of knowing, okay, for the first six months that I'm doing this full time, I might barely break even. I might not, I might make zero money for six months and I just kind of had to be okay with that, which is definitely a hard thing to be okay with when you're like an achiever and you're just used to to this mindset. Um, Money is an achievement. Money is energy. And when you're putting so much into something and then you might not see a return, it like can be kind of discouraging for a bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you're on your way to, so you're an achiever, you like to achieve things, you like to check things off a list, you like to climb. And I think a lot of people are like that. And there's two things I want to touch on. And I guess this is going to turn into like an entrepreneurship podcast, but (laughs) there are so many people right now, especially during quarantine with COVID, who are working from home and either they're really loving the freedom of working from home and, you know, it's great for their lifestyle or they're realizing, what the fuck am I doing? They're realizing, okay, this is clearly not something that fulfills me. This entire past year has really opened people's eyes to... Um, making sure that they're working on their mental health and they're doing things that bring them joy. And, you know, I think a lot of people are adopting side hustles and, you know, really diving into passion projects here. So what would you say to someone who, you know, is working in nine to five for a company and maybe it's a great company and they're making like a comfortable living and they're just comfortable right now, but they know that that's not the end all be all. They know that there's something, they're like doing some soul searching and they are like, okay, I have this idea, but like, I could never do it on my own. What would you say to someone who is having those beliefs, but they're like, I think I want to do it. You know, how would you recommend they, they get started with just, would you just say like, put it on paper, make little tasks every day? What would you say to help them get to their end all? I would say the first thing is to just start somewhere I think a lot of people myself included tend to kind of get paralysis from just all of the components that go into starting a business and sometimes you can kind of feel like you don't want to put it out in the world Mm -hmm. until 
like a large chunk of it is perfect or until you have like a large chunk of it down and I would like until you have a massive following totally and I would just say like just get it out there like even if you just you know let's say you want to start like a I don't know let's say you want to write a poetry book like just start an Instagram account and start posting your poetry even if no one reads it even if you get like five likes on every post just start doing it because the more opportunity you create for people to be exposed to whatever it is that you want to do like the more likely it is to build in the future Mm -hmm. so I would say first like just start anywhere and don't wait for like that feeling of readiness because it's just it's never going to come like mm-hmm. you're never going to have that feeling of there like there will always be some yeah. type of fear or hold back yes yeah like you will always feel some kind of hesitation which I think is good and almost motivating yeah you know totally I mean I like I've I started my business almost five years ago and I still am figuring things out and learning and tweaking and like just you know changing things changing the way that I do things changing Mm -hmm. protocols um so it's it's constantly in flux which is why I feel like even if the way you start ends up being 180 degrees from the way that you end up like Mm -hmm. it's better to just get the balls moving Mm -hmm. and you know get yourself going um analysis paralysis is what it's called when you analyze to the point of not executing yeah totally um that's the same that's the same with, I mean, even if people are listening to this and they're like, well, I don't want to start my own business. It's the same with nutrition. It's the same with mm-hmm. working out. You think, okay, I have to be in shape to go work out first. So I'm going to lose a little weight and then I'm going to go to the gym. Or I have to get rid of all the bad food in my pantry. Or I have to have a full weekend of, you know, binge eating and, and processed food in order to go do my healthy meals this yeah. week. Like, it's yeah. all the same. Like, you just have to start somewhere. Just yeah. add kale to your yeah well that's the thing it's like an all or nothing mentality where people think if they're not doing a hundred percent of it then it's not going to make a difference but it's really even if you just change one tiny thing Mm -hmm. or start doing one tiny thing it really can make a difference and it motivates you to start changing or adding other things Mm -hmm. um yeah you're right like same thing with with food with nutrition with like really any lifestyle habits that you want to change what you also did and you even mentioned it when you were talking about poetry you're like okay well if you want to you know just giving examples of different side hustles I feel like so many people are like I want to be like for me I'm like I want to be a nutritionist but for who you know who do I want to work with who's your audience who are the people that you really like get lit up working with you want to design shoes or you want to design an app you want to write a book like you did a really great job with your company because you're a bridal company so you're specifically working with brides who need accessories you know not Mm -hmm. dresses not anything like you're really niching down so you were like okay brides so you know I think it's super important for people to know that you don't have to like you can want to help everything and everybody but people will take you more seriously and you'll be a better referral point for your business if you focus just on one thing yeah you know like yeah don't chase balls yes and even like boiling it further down from that if you like get even more focused with your customer base and say okay like yes my customer base is brides but more specifically it's brides who are probably going to spend between two to eight thousand dollars on their dress so I know what kind of salons they're shopping at you know what their general budget for their wedding is um they're brides that you know have a certain kind of like bohemian a little bit more laid back Mm -hmm. style so I know I'm probably not going to get brides who shop at 
you know, Macy's because mm-hmm. those are the more traditional brides. But mm-hmm. maybe they do a lot of shopping at Anthropology. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that I know the age base of my target customer. Um, it's just it took time to yeah. realize, I think, right? Yeah, for you. Yeah, absolutely. It took time. Um, it took some adjusting. I think when I started, as I'm sure a lot of people feel when they start their businesses, I felt that like I was my ideal customer. And I think that I think that that contributed to me understanding my customer really well. But there also came a point where I realized that my target customer isn't just me. Like mm-hmm. there are kind of iterations of that and um, sort of variations mm-hmm. on that. And that's also something that takes some adjusting is saying, okay, I know like my perspective, but I also need to other understand slightly different perspectives that are still part of that same Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was like kind of a helpful totally. starting point, um, which is again, like what I would also say to people who are trying to start something, whether it's like a business or a service or mm-hmm. a creative endeavor is like start from your place of authenticity because that's what's going to resonate the most with people. But then also realize that like, when that resonates with people, it doesn't mean those people are exactly like you. It just means you share this one thing in common. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there's still room to kind of expand beyond your own personal identity and how that relates to your business. Totally. Yeah. Well, um, what would you say were some of the biggest challenges or what would you say a challenge is for you right now during COVID and you know, weddings are in a weird space for some people right now? Um, what would you say have been some obstacles that you've either overcome or just had to, you know, put the kibosh on? Or what were some sacrifices that you've had to make throughout the years? Um, I would say right now the biggest challenge that I'm dealing with is social media. I think social media is just such a, especially just for all of 2020, has just been such a challenge for a lot of people because, um, you know, the nature of social media is you're trying to get people to buy your product and people are not buying products the way they normally do this year because either they've lost their jobs or they're not having their weddings or they're just frankly not in the mood because of everything that's going on. Also, social media is so negative right now. It's not a place where people go to get lifted up or to get inspired anymore. It's a place where they go and they end up comparing themselves to people or they end up you know going down this rabbit hole of negativity right yeah I feel yeah no it's definitely true and there's also kind of a like a tricky um line especially with e-com brands that are on social media right now I think because you don't want it to seem like you're exploiting things that are going on in order to sell your product and I obviously never want to do that um like representation and diversity truly is important to me and that's something that I've definitely been trying to focus on with my social media especially thank you thanks it's something like I'm it's I feel sad to say that it wasn't something I thought about that much before um which I know is like a very privileged thing to say um but I'm glad that I think about it more Mm -hmm. and that it's more of a focus and I really want like anyone 
to be able to come to my feed or my website and like see someone who looks like them and like feel like they could be a part of the brand Um, I really feel like the most amazing photo shoot that you have done with your products has been the most recent one that you did oh thank you like there was natural hair there was different there wasn't just like a bunch of white Charleston people you know yeah it's it was so there was so much variety and beauty it was amazing yeah um what do you think are some brands that are doing a really great job and have there been any brands that you've been like Mm, I shan't be buying from you anymore. And you can be honest, like, um, you don't have to shit in, on anyone, but you know, some people are focusing on it more than others. Yeah. Well, I feel like in general, I don't know about like specific brands that have been doing a good job, but I know the wedding industry in general has like really risen to the occasion, um, of including more, more diversity and being really just like cognizant of the time that we're living in. Um, I have a lot of like friends who own brands, um, like my friends at Lulette Bride who are based in Brooklyn, they have done like a tremendous, they've always done a good job, but like especially now they've done a tremendous job. Who of are they? What's their name? Lulette. Ooh, they're amazing. Yeah, they're a dress designer um, based in Brooklyn and Greenpoint and they're they're just like wonderful people. Um, but they have done a great job now and always of including a lot of diversity and just, you know, like being very um sensitive while still kind of being outspoken mm-hmm. um so but in general I think the wedding industry because it's an industry that's so focused on like love and positivity for the most part true you never has, see any brands that are like you know talking about the shit that goes on at your wedding day you talk about just <laughs> why it's going to be worth it yeah yeah and it's a kind of a nice way to like it has this constant undertone of celebration so you can sort of come at it from the perspective of oh I'm celebrating these people and Mm -hmm. whether they look like this or look like that like I'm still kind of like celebrating their love or their special day or whatever it is so I think the wedding industry in general has been doing a good job Mm -hmm. um I have to say I feel like there are some like fitness industry (laughs) um things that haven't that have been kind of turning me off can you give examples you don't um, have to give names, but, you know, what are some situations that you see in the fitness or health industry that you're like, well, that could have been done differently? Yeah, I think mostly, like, um, stores that sell or brands that sell, like, fitness clothing or fitness accessories, like yoga brands or, um, yeah, places that clearly the audience has been a certain audience for a very long time, mm-hmm. and it it feels a little bit, like disingenuous that they're kind of like they like throw a bone every now and then to someone who looks different on their feed and then they kind of go right back to like you know thin affluent white models um and you know I get it like you have a certain audience and you want to connect with them and appease them um but I feel like just given everything that's been going on it's been like a little bit of a turn off for me and I think the reality is that that may be like their aspirational customer mm-hmm. or maybe what their cus- customer is aspirational for but like the reality is I doubt that their customer is actually 100% that yeah. so I do think it's important to like branch out and just have more inclusivity and um, just make people feel welcome totally. like if people come to your page and they scroll you know three or four times down with their thumb and they don't see anyone that looks like them like why would they want to buy something from you totally um totally and I feel that way about a lot of brands and I'm you know I'm like a pretty average looking white person 
But when I go to, yeah, when I go to a lot of yoga brands or when I go to bathing suit brands, I'm like, well, I don't have boobs. And yeah. so these bathing suits won't look good on me. Yeah. Or, um, and a lot of people feel the opposite way. They're like, well, my boobs are too big. Like, they yeah. won't look good on me. And so that's where I'm coming from. But, yeah. Or I'm like, well, I got a pretty big nose, you know? So <laughs> all these little things. I just, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that a lot of brands, um, they hit it hard for a little while and then yeah. they kind of ease out of it which is yeah you know that's what they're gonna do right but you, all you can do is you know focus on yourself and how you can how you can really progress and be a part of the solution Maisie you want to come over here and we have the sweetest pooches ever hey babies um so we're talking about entrepreneurship and we're talking about <laughs> if you guys hear a sniffle in the <laughs> microphone it's hi luna she's looking at mike um i want to know so a lot of people are you know going through struggles in their business and they're trying to figure out you know what their next move is because things are so uncertain right now but can we talk about the fact that you're five six Six months pregnant? Five? Yes, I'm si- a little over six months a pregnant. A little over six months pregnant. And yes. um, I want to switch gears just a little bit because yeah. one of the things that brought you and I together was, you know, you did my meal plans for a while and you worked with me as a nutrition client and we always had an easy connection. Like we always chit-chatted and, yeah. you know, and I actually, when I first moved to Charleston, I reached out to Emma because I was like... Um, how do you run a business? You know, when we walked around Hampton Park and we had a coffee and I was, you were like, okay, you, she was basically giving me the literal bare bones, like the stuff that I was like, oh, duh. She was like, okay, you need to start posting about it on social media. You need to, um, figure out what you're doing and like open up a business credit card. Open no, up a, you knew what you were doing, but I needed some support and you were there and very, very, you know, you're a, a strong, independent woman who you just get shit done. So you're six and a half months pregnant. You're still moving your body. You're still taking care of yourself. You're still eating healthfully and being health conscious so in this space you're in quarantine obviously you want to be a little bit more probably a little more careful than the average person just being pregnant and being you know you have shit to do right now yeah so probably a good time for you to be in lockdown where you're like I can focus but to anyone else out there can you explain your history with nourishing yourself like how did you used to eat while you were living in New York and what did that transition look like for you I know you've struggled with a couple different things so yeah can you speak on that a little yeah so um I just like activity wise I've always been well at least since college I've been like a pretty active person physically I've never considered myself like an athlete because I've never been like particularly good at any sports but um, my best friend who I met in college got me into running and we started running half marathons in college and that was kind of like I would say that was the start of me realizing like how good fitness made me feel physically. Um, So I've always kind of had that going, but my eating habits have definitely like run the gamut. Um, You've evolved. Yes, I would say the entire time I was living in New York, which was like from 2009 until like 2016, um, I was conscious, but I was very uninformed. Like I would 
That's a great way of putting it. Conscious yet uninformed. Yes. Which I feel like so many people are like, I eat healthy, but dot, dot, dot. You know, that's yeah. really what it comes down to is being conscious, but you don't really get it. Yes. Okay, like, I, I was eating... I was eating what, in my mind, I considered to be balanced, but it was, since it was so uninformed, it was not balanced. Can like, you give examples of, like, what a day would look like? I know it was a while ago, but, yeah. you know. Like, well, first of all, I've never really been a big, big uh, breakfast person, so I would normally skip breakfast. I would just have, like, coffee, um, which I still kind of do to this day, but mm. now, now I write it off as intermittent fasting, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so I wouldn't really have breakfast, and then for lunch, I would be like, oh, I'm going to have a salad. But I would have a salad with, like, blue cheese and craisins and, like, delicious balsamic vinaigrette and, you know, avocado and, like, things that, you know, maybe if you have one or two of them in a salad, it would be fine. But, like, but my whole... you would get at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> pistachio. Like, just, like, every, like, calorically dense food that you could think of, I would just put all that on top of lettuce with dressing and oh. I'd be like, I'm so healthy. Um, <laughs> so... Okay, so there's the consciousness... Yes, so, but again, like, did not know that that was, that, like, just eating a salad does not mean that I'm being healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least doesn't mean that I'm meeting my, like, calorie goals. Yes. Um. So then I would have a salad. Maybe I would have, like, you know, some fruit for a snack. And, and Emma, then, you're 5'1", you're 5'2". Five five two. Two, yeah. You're 5'2". She's a yeah. petite woman, so just, by the way, if you're, like... <laughs> me who is what I don't know like I'm like five seven so like my calorie intake is different so just by the way know that <laughs> she's around five one five two petite so cute you will see on thank Instagram. you mm-hmm. um yeah so I would like just have you know a small snack maybe like some hummus and you know crackers or pita chips or something and then I would get home and I'd be like I've been really good today I'm gonna order pad thai and you know I would just get like a huge thing of pad thai and again like nothing wrong with doing this and also at the time I was like 23 so my metabolism was very different thankfully mm-hmm. well you're living in New York too so you're walking around everywhere yes. you might not even even been eating enough at that time you know? yeah I mean the whole time I lived in New York I lived on a fifth floor walk up so oh. I'm sure that also like helped a lot um but yeah so I would just like order Thai food or Indian food and I lived in the West Village so there were like just so many food options for me to choose from constantly which um made things even harder um so yeah so I would kind of have this thing where I would balance what I thought was being healthy with um things I knew weren't healthy but I felt like they balanced each other out so I would just do it and I never I wouldn't say I would ever struggle with my weight Mm -hmm. I would I have pretty much fluctuated between the same like five to ten pounds for the last like 10-15 years of my life um but I definitely always had that feeling of like trying to lose the last five pounds that was just like my life from probably high school on was like oh I just want to lose five more pounds I just want to lose five pounds um and sometimes I would and I would maintain it for like a year or two and then it would go away and sometimes I wouldn't and again it was just it, always fluctuating within like 10 pounds of a high and a low for for many many years um and then probably when I came well when I came to Charleston I met you mm-hmm. and I feel like you I know I tell us you all the time but you like completely changed my taste buds <laughs> and like the way that I like to eat not even just my taste buds but I just started to finally realize that when I eat a certain way, I just physically feel so much better. What does better mean? Because I feel like a lot of people yeah. think that they feel good because they 
poop every day and they like don't have trouble sleeping but I feel like you can always elevate yourself to the next level yeah so you were feeling energized you were feeling you know good but how do you feel better I mean I feel like I have more energy I feel like I wake up more easily in the mornings filled with energy um I feel like just lighter on my feet um you know a lot of times you get that feeling after you eat a really heavy meal like you you literally feel like someone poured lead into like all of your fat rolls and they're just like pushing <laughs> down to the ground like your whole body is just like melting into the ground like a candle and, body yes That's what they call it, a melted candle body. yes and I used to think that like if I didn't have that feeling after going out for like a night out you know to some restaurant then like I did it wrong and now I just or like realized. you're still hungry if you're not yes, full. Yes, exactly. If you're not like uncomfortably full, then you're like, yeah, I could eat. Exactly. You're so conditioned to thinking that like full and heavy means you know satisfied and nourished. Exactly. And now I like don't even want that feeling anymore because I know how uncomfortable it is, and I genuinely like when I go out. I still indulge and I still eat pretty much whatever I want at restaurants but um but what you want has even changed I feel like yeah what I want has definitely changed I feel like you for the first time in my life genuinely made me love greens which I again like previously in my life the greens were the vehicle for all the other stuff that I really wanted (laughs) like yeah like the craisins and the blue cheese and the pistachios and whatever and now I feel like I just I genuinely want like a bowl of kale and I put other stuff in it too but like I look forward to the kale part as much as the other stuff which I know sounds insane and if like 10 years if 10 years ago like I heard myself saying this I'd be like bullshit (laughs) like absolutely not um but it's true like today for lunch I had an arugula salad and I have never in my life been like arugula it's so peppery and delicious I love it but like it's like one of the highest alkalizing most nourishing foods ever so the fact that your body knows that it wants to be fed that way is so beautiful yeah so I definitely think that like that the way that you changed my eating in terms of just wanting more like just wanting more vegetables and wanting more greens and things that I know make me feel better physically Mm -hmm. has just for me at least been heightened during pregnancy and I know for everyone it's different like I have friends who have been pregnant and all they've wanted to eat is like carbs and I totally get that and I definitely went through that a little in the first trimester when I was feeling really nauseous but for the most part I have just wanted like even more vegetables during mm-hmm. pregnancy which I'm thankful for because I feel totally. like it's it's helped me stay um, more active mm-hmm. um, but I'm hoping that that's something that continues after totally. I have the baby because like I'm I'm thankful that I have these eating habits now and again like don't get me wrong I still have like chocolate covered marshmallows in my <laughs> in my drawer um I will be leaving with those yeah you may have so. one <laughs> also though what so you know your eating habits have evolved and your relationship with food has evolved um and I also know that Dave your husband who is the most hilarious dry <laughs> oddball he's so awesome y'all just if I can't even really describe Dave but Dave is great and Dave is uh he's like your typical guy yeah he he's doesn't really have this attachment to food he's not like as much of a foodie he loves good food yeah. but he doesn't like think about it I feel like most women are like all, during your lunch all you're thinking about is like your snack or your dinner yeah so 
when you're living with someone and your eating habits have evolved, what would you say to someone who is like, you know, I really want to start to eat healthier and clean it up a bit, minimize animal products, but, you know, not go fully vegan, but my husband is a carnivore and, you know, he wants meat and potatoes and they want the standard American diet. What are some uh, wife tips or girlfriend tips that people could integrate into their lifestyle without being pushy? Okay, so this is going to be like a controversial thing because my my in-laws, I think, are not happy that I do this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. We make separate food a lot of the time. And like, I know there are a lot of maybe like more traditional people out there who are like, oh my God, I could never do that. Like my husband works and I want to like make him food and that's totally fine. And I definitely have those moments. Um, but he and I have just kind of accepted that we want to eat differently. And he does eat healthy for the most part. He just eats differently. Like he... Mm-hmm still eats chicken and I still eat fish and I still eat some animal products but he just he really likes that kind of like lean animal protein Mm -hmm. component to his meals um and he also doesn't care as much about flavor like he's perfectly happy eating a half a cup of brown rice with some kidney beans straight out of the can and like a piece of grilled chicken and like some hot sauce on top and that's like perfect for him and Mm -hmm. I just know if I eat that I'm gonna be ordering pizza two hours later so um he and I have just accepted that like we want to eat different things and rather than making each other eat something that neither of us wants to eat we just like meal prep separately a lot of the times um we do like on Sundays we'll spend a couple hours meal prepping and I'll prep my stuff he'll prep his stuff so it's still we still spend time together while we're doing it but we just make different things and then during the week we can still eat together because we have the meals already prepped separately. And you can still go out to eat and, you know, order oh, yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. When we, for us, going out to eat is a totally different story. Like, I, I just don't believe in limiting myself when I go out to eat. I feel like if you're going to go out, then you should enjoy yourself and get what you want and, totally. and enjoy it. Um, so when we go out, we share everything and mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll eat, like, meat and cheese and all that yeah. stuff. Um, but for the most part, um, the times... I would say maybe like three nights a week he'll let me just take care of dinner cook it um and I'll just kind of make what I was going to make for myself and then I'll just add some animal protein on top of it for him Got it. um and that tends to work but again I'm, I'll make him prep the animal protein totally. so he'll spend an hour on a Sunday grilling you know eight chicken breasts for himself mm-hmm. and then if one night I tell him okay I'm making Eliza's cornucopia salad for dinner I'll just add chicken on it for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like probably my easiest to go to tip. I think it's also about adding in the good stuff and not so much eliminating the bad stuff right away. Yes. I feel like once you're, you know, adding in fiber, because animal products don't have any fiber at all. So I just like, if you're eliminating properly, then you know it's fine and have some once in a while. I don't think you need it at every meal, but that's just my personal standpoint. And so yeah. I feel like it's good to make sure that you're at least like, bolstering those meals with nourishing foods yeah um and now I want to take another completely left turn (laughs) like completely these are the three topics that I just when I think about these topics I think about Emma I'm like okay entrepreneurship health pregnancy and um I really want to talk about your breakups okay for a second (laughs) um just like we had just spoken about Emma is in a beautiful stable loving happy funny relationship with Dave (laughs) and they have a beautiful home and life 
in Charleston, South Carolina, and I know that Emma has given me some of the best dating advice that I've ever received. <laughs> um, so I want to hear about your life of love, going through breakups, not settling for anyone other than who you know you're meant to be with. Because um, I know a lot of girls listen to this podcast who are either single or maybe they're not single, maybe they're married, but they may have gone through a similar experience or um, going through heartbreak, finding ways to cope and come out of it even stronger and really getting to know yourself through that process. So for anyone who has or you know is single or going through a breakup or still reminiscing and like, what the fuck am I doing with my love life? Tell us your story about living in New York, going through the dating life, heartbreak, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely describe myself as like a serial monogamist. I feel like I just like, it was just very hard for me. I don't think I ever felt afraid of being alone, but I think I just didn't know what I wanted for such a long time that it was hard for me to kind of like pass up the chance to be with people because I like, I don't know, I just, I just have always had a really open mind about like who I wanted to be with. Um, so I definitely, I had like several, you know, relationships in high school. And then, um, after I had already gotten into college, I met someone who was a year ahead of me at that college. So I didn't like choose to go there for him, but it just happened that I met someone who like was already there. And I dated him for the entire time I was in college. Uh, so like four and a half years. And, you know, there was a, a time during that where like, I thought, that he was the one I thought we'd get married and um after a while I just kind of it I just realized that I had changed and I think he had changed and um I've always been a very uh driven focused person and I felt like I was constantly pushing him and that was very exhausting and I just kind of realized that it was important to me to have a partner who was self-driven and that I didn't have to push um so I ended up breaking up with him right after I moved to New York like like weeks after um which was hard um because we've been together for so long but I think it wasn't as hard as it could have been since I sort of had had this feeling for I would say a good year to year and a half of the yeah what did that feeling feel like if you could describe that feeling of you know looking back that feeling meant you know this isn't the right person for you yes I mean it was a feeling if I'm being completely honest it was a feeling of like dread that at any given moment I was just gonna blurt out I can't be with you anymore for like a solid year to year and a half but I kept hanging on because he was a really good person he still is and um he was very nice and he always treated me really well and I think I just kept hoping that that my feelings would go back to the way that they were um and we were going through a lot of transitions because he was a year ahead of me um you know he graduated a year before me and he was figuring out his job situation and then I was moving to New York he moved there like shortly before I did and so we were doing long distance for the last year because I went to school in Philadelphia and um I just kept kind of saying to myself like well maybe it's just this transition let me see how it is after let me see how it is when things settle 
Did you and move in with him right away in New York? No, we never lived together. Oh, great. Um, I moved in with uh, my best friend who I'd been living with for two years in college. We both moved to New York together. And he was living um, in an apartment with three other guys. So we never lived together. I think he, if he had had it his way, we would have. But I was always really adamant about, like, taking things slow. Um, my parents got married, like, older. Not older, but when they were 30. So I've never been that person who was, like... I need to be, like, living with my significant other when I'm 22. Like, I never wanted that. Um, and that wasn't, like, the example that I had seen throughout my life. So, um, so uh, we moved to New York around the same time. And at that point, maybe a month in, I just realized that, like, we were both in the same city now. We both had stable jobs. We were both making money. And just my feeling had not changed. Like, I still had this feeling of, like, there were times where, I would like be on the verge of tears just hanging out with him because so I would like be, shut up shut up everything yeah that and also because I would just know deep down that I was gonna eventually have to break this person's heart and I just knew like I just had this feeling of like impending doom and dread that like eventually I was gonna have to like break up with him mm-hmm. and I don't I don't have any regrets in life because I feel like everything happens for a reason and everything kind of like leads you to your next point but if I had to say I had like any regret in life it would be not breaking up with him sooner because I feel like it would have maybe given me a little more time to myself um to like explore Mm -hmm. and just meet new people and um maybe enjoy like the last year of college in a different way so yeah um like once you broke up clearly it was you who did the breaking up but what like when you were getting back into the dating world how long did you give yourself did you like give yourself an allotted amount of time because I feel like and this is like a lot of my friends I've done it before this was the first time that I really hadn't done it when I you know I mean I had been like dating around but I hadn't been in a serious relationship for like eight months which I loved so and then I found who I'm dating now and I'm like whoo this is awesome (laughs) but what was it like getting back into the world or did you allow yourself time were you like conscious of that or were you just you know floating around like I feel so much better so (laughs) I feel like here is where my story got a little complicated because when I so on the one hand when I broke up with him um I had kind of had one foot out the door of the relationship for the last like year year and a half so I felt like I had already done a lot of the mourning um of the relationship before it actually ended so I would say like two weeks after I broke up with him I was like completely fine like I which it sounds very heartless and like horrible to say Mm -hmm. and of course there were still moments where like I would you know all of a sudden feel like grief for it later than that but like for the most part two weeks later I just felt ready to like move on um so like, on the one hand, I was feeling that way. On the other hand, I knew, you know, that at that point, I was like, I'm a serial monogamist. <laughs> like, I have I a problem. Yeah, I have a problem. And so I said to myself, I want to be single for, like, at least six months after I break up with this person because we've been together for so long. And I really want to, like, just meet new people. I had never, like, been on dates before because I had been dating him literally since before my 18th birthday. So, yeah, so I had never, like, been on dates. There was, like, one period during college where he and I went on a break for maybe two months, and I had, like, like, hooked up with a few other people. But other than that, like, I hadn't 
been like taken out and I had this you know you move to New York you're 22 and you have this idea in your mind of like being wined and dined and you're Sex gonna in the city, yeah and limos yeah and like totally you're like oh I'm gonna like you know be standing over smoking potholes yes like, oh, me. <laughs> exactly so I had this idea in my head and I was kind of seeing someone very casually who I had known in college who also moved to New York and we were just kind of like neither of us were interested in anything serious um but we were just seeing each other kind of regularly and he wasn't giving me the attention that I wanted so I was like you know what like I don't want to date you but I want you to act like we're yes <laughs> I was like I just want you know I, I just wanted a regularity I didn't want like an emotional commitment from him I just wanted him to like make plans with me actively and it was mm-hmm. always me kind of like making the plans which obviously was a sign that he wasn't that interested in me and again I wasn't actually that interested in him it was just like you know I I wanted that attention. You wanted the consistency. Yeah. yeah, and I was used to that because I had just gotten out of such a long relationship. So um, at the time, I mean, again, this was 2009, so dating apps were not a thing. And there were dating websites. So you, like, literally had to log on. I feel so old. But, like, you literally had to, like, log on your browser. And, like, they had, like, a little internal chat that looked like AIM. And, you know, you, like, talked to people. Um, <laughs> so... I was like, you know what? I'm going to just sign up for J-Date. Like, I'm Jewish, but I've never... Being Jewish or having a Jewish partner has never been important to me. In fact, Have you ever had a Jewish partner? No. My husband is the only Jewish person that I've ever dated. Like, seriously. I love it. Um, But in my mind, I was like, you know, maybe we'll have something in common. You know. And also, it's either that or Match.com. It's like, there's not a whole lot of... Exactly. At the time, there were really only two options. J-Date and Match. I mean, there was like eHarmony, but that was for christian people and um oh, yeah oh, I didn't know that. at least in new york that was for like more traditional kind of like conservative oh no people. hit the j yeah yeah um and match was like it was geared towards an older crowd i felt for some reason so and again i wasn't looking for a relationship i was just looking for like dates so i went on jd and my husband was literally the third person that i like met in person on J-Date. I went on two dates with some other guy who, like, was very ready to, like, put a ring on it ASAP, and I was just like, no, I can't. Like, this is too overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and then I had, like, one date with one other guy who was, like, a little bit older and uh, was more casual, and then Dave was, like, the third person that I wanted to date with. And um, our first date was, like, very it was fine like it wasn't I wasn't like blown away on the first date I was I had a great time I feel like so many people think like you know when you know you know and like sparks will fly as soon as you meet this person it will be undeniable chemistry I'm like there can definitely be chemistry but also room for improvement and that can still be the one yes exactly like there was for sure chemistry and there was definitely physical chemistry but I wasn't it's not like our like I can maybe remember five minutes of the entire conversation that we had and we I think we spent like four or five hours together on that date so like it wasn't sorry Dave it wasn't like it wasn't like I know well he'll probably listen to this one maybe um but it was I wasn't like enthralled by the conversation the way I had been in the past like in the past I would choose my partners by feeling like if I felt that feeling yeah and like feeling like understood immediately which I feel like is, personally, I feel like that's, like, the biggest red herring. But anyway. So we went on this date, and it was just supposed to be dinner. And, like, I, I did think my husband was adorable. He 
he wrote down at the time he didn't have a smartphone because it was 2009 i had a blackberry and he i had a t-mobile <laughs> that's what he had he had one of those ones where, like, a the screen. Kick? Yes. He had I a love sidekick. sidekick. It's like very Paris Hilton of him. He had like a neon green sidekick. Um, so he brought a post it note that had the address of the restaurant that we were going to written down on it. We met in Washington Square Park, and the restaurant was like a couple blocks away. And he had this post it note written. It was on Houston. And we got to the restaurant, and um, we were like, the address was like 168. West Houston or something and so we're like okay 162 164 166 we get to 168 the restaurant has shut down permanently (laughs) like it was no longer in existence and I was like oh no I was like well we can just go somewhere else like there's so many restaurants around we can just pick somewhere and he was like no wait I have a backup plan and he pulled out a second post-it from his pocket (laughs) and I was like in that moment I was a little bit like okay this guy is like special like at least yeah like at least we he, we're both planners and we very much have that in common so I appreciated like that no no I have a better sticky note <laughs> yeah all right so, men who are listening to this yeah. podcast take note not just sticky note yeah but have a backup plan it will give you such big dick energy yes immediately. preparedness Amazing. is very attractive it is so hot um like you can handle your shit yeah so yeah so we like we went to dinner it was we went to his backup plan which was just like a very low-key sushi place and then um, we were having a good time, so we went to a bar afterwards, and we were having drinks. And I remember that whole day at work that day. It was a Friday, and um, it was the night before Halloween, actually. And I had been feeling, like, really not good that day, but I didn't want to cancel last minute on the day because I was excited about it, so I went, and I kind of powered through. And then maybe, like, four hours into the date, so, like, after we had gone to, like, two bars after the restaurant, so at the second bar – all of a sudden it was like almost midnight and I was just hit with this wave of like exhaustion and I I was like I need to go home (laughs) like I just I don't feel well and of course Dave thought I was bailing on him like he was like oh my god I said something wrong yeah he was like she's not into it I said something I blew it but I I kept trying to tell him like no I'm so sorry like I just wasn't feeling well all day and I just I need to go home gotta go (laughs) Sorry. Um, no, it's fine. So he put me in a cab and I went home and I got home and I took my temperature and I had a 102 fever. Jesus. So I, I don't even remember getting home because I was so delirious from the fever. Um, so I texted him and I was like. Ooh, you, you were hot. You I know. I know. Literally. <laughs> um, so I texted him and I was just like, yeah, I'm really glad I went home because I have a 102 fever. Like, thanks for putting me in a cab. And I meant to, I was saying it to reassure him. Go take some vitamin C. Yeah. But he like he I think was still freaking out a little so the next day I woke up and I had like a bunch of texts a voicemail from him being like are you okay and you know he made some joke like he was like you're making me break my three-day rule because I was like so worried because you know like three-day rule you're not supposed to like text back immediately or at that time um so that was like another moment where I knew like okay this guy like actually really likes me and like really like doesn't care about seeming his ego's not yeah. in the way of him letting you know that he likes exactly you. so we made plans for a second date and we went to this like restaurant they we went to a cute little wine bar afterwards and somewhere at that wine bar like it just kind of hit me like I just realized like oh my god this is my future husband Aww. and I 
like that's why when I I think it's so funny when people say oh you know if I don't feel that on the first date I'm not gonna give them another chance because I very much did not feel that on the first date like I liked him enough to see him a second time but I wasn't like Mm -hmm. obsessed with him after the first date and it really was a feeling that grew Mm -hmm. um and I've always been much more of an intuitive person but I feel like in this situation I at least let myself gather like a little more data Mm -hmm. before I let myself get that intuition and that feeling and I think it worked out um I love that yeah so by definitely like by the second date I knew okay I do not want to lose this person and I don't want to lose out on the opportunity to like see where it goes with this person so I had to break my six months (laughs) role which I was yeah which like I really struggled with and I felt like I felt I judged myself and I felt like other people were going to judge me and think that I had jumped into something too quickly and that I was just doing it because I didn't want to be alone and it truly was not that like it truly was I just I feel like that's very self-aware of you to know I think self-awareness is a huge yeah huge part of that is like understanding hey I'm making this decision consciously yeah not just subconsciously where you're like oh this is covering something up yeah no totally and I was so scared to um like admit to other people that I had jumped into another relationship so quickly that the first time he asked me to be his girlfriend I said no because I was just not ready to tell the world that and then Mm -hmm. he asked me again a week later and I was like okay if I say no a second time he's gonna lose interest so I can't say no twice and I don't want to lose him so literally I guess maybe like like six weeks after I broke up with my boyfriend of four and a half years I was like in a relationship with my now husband um which is insane and to anyone else doing that I probably before this would have been like you're crazy you need to be single but I don't know like when you have that feeling and you're so sure of it like you have to just follow your heart and I'm so glad that I did um I love that and I also think that you again you were very self-aware but you also were I think it's really important to know that you weren't just with it and into him because of lust Mm -hmm. lust can be so blinding yeah and of course the physical attraction is there and the chemistry there that's awesome but knowing that it was other little things that reminded you that you know I'm in this for longevity I'm in this for you know I want someone who checks off boxes other than just like you know egocentric things or physical things so you know I have a lot of friends who are like and I've been guilty of this like oh he's shorter than me or oh he's you know, X, Y, and Z, but, you know, Dave's an attractive guy, don't get me wrong, but, you know, you were thinking about, you know, he's a planner, Mm -hmm. he cares, he called, Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't let his ego get in the way, and I know I keep saying ego a lot, but um, I just, I think that that's so important for people to understand themselves and what they're, you know, you don't even necessarily have to know what you're looking for, because that might blind you to things that you didn't realize you were looking for, Yeah, but knowing what you what are your non-negotiables? You know, what are things yeah. that are super important to you for laying the foundation of a, a relationship? Yeah. Um, and I think also, like, having those non-negotiables be things that dictate how you see your life being, like, either alone or with this person. Like, for me, the non-negotiables were someone who's very career-driven and focused. And he, I mean, at the time, he was in medical school. And he literally, like, for 
I would say sometimes two weeks at a time I wouldn't see him because he was so busy studying and he would he would literally tell me I can't see you for two weeks because I have to study for this like huge test that you know board whatever national board. By the way, he's an anesthesiologist. Like he doesn't fuck around. It's like a big kid job. You know, he has to be on it every day. Like can't believe that my husband does this stuff for a living. But like that for me, that was a non-negotiable because I I knew what it had been like to be with someone who wasn't that way, and I didn't want to like I have enough stuff that I want to achieve on my own. I don't want to have to be worrying about my partner, like you know coaching them through that kind of thing um so that was really important to me and I saw that in him very quickly um he also just had this like innate sense of just like open-mindedness and curiosity which I really didn't know that I wanted but as soon as I experienced it with him I was like oh my god yeah like I want someone who is gonna want to travel with me and really get to know like the different cultures and different places that we're traveling read books on his own read books like not I I don't want to be the only one that's like suggesting you know movies to watch or articles to read I want someone who's gonna bring those to the table for me too and um you know I want someone who if I text him in the middle of the day and say hey there's this you know outdoor concert going on on Saturday night do you want to go like there was nothing that he would say no to and um those were all things about like the way that I wanted to live my life not just like oh is he taller than me or you know does he like the same kind of music I like like those things like truly they're nice they don't matter like they don't make your day-to-day life what would you say is your number one piece of advice for someone who either is single in the game and ready to be with someone but doesn't know where to start or someone who's going through breakup no let's niche down what would you say to someone a single girl who's kind of ready to be in a relationship I would just say, I mean, again, like, I feel like there's no advice that you can give to someone that they haven't already heard before, and I'm sure what I'm about to say is going to sound very trite and, like, overused, but, like, do the things you love and people who love those things and, like, who have that same, those same goals and that same energy will find you. Like, if you truly love pushing yourself physically and you like fitness like if you keep doing those things and doing them for you not just to meet other people like you will meet other people who also love those things and again like I'm not saying that you have to have that thing in common with your future partner but like it's a good foundation for realizing oh we both like fitness that means we both like um we take care of ourselves yeah exactly you you care about your health exactly um or you know if you like art you know go visit a bunch of galleries on like the whatever it's called the night when like all the galleries are open downtown Mm -hmm. um like those types of experiences will allow you to meet people who also have at least some sort of intellectual curiosity which is kind of like a broader umbrella for like liking art or being interested in art like they don't have to specifically like the same kind of art that you like but um if they have the desire to do those activities and have those experiences then like that's I feel like chances are they're going to be a better partner for you totally and also keep doing things that you love don't just look around for a person because yes they will find you you just have to stay open to it because they might present themselves in a way that you didn't necessarily expect and also doing things that you love makes you have shit to talk about exactly you know well and it's important to have 
a strong sense of like who you are as a person um, because I've definitely seen, especially I think, unfortunately, like women tend to do this. Um, I've seen a lot of people who sort of enter into relationships not really having a strong sense of who they are and their conviction and then changing or compromising themselves way too much to kind of fit into this other person's vision just because they want so badly to have a partner and that like I just don't think that that's a recipe for happiness that to me is settling yeah exactly well um god you are amazing and I there's this is just the tip of the iceberg I feel like every conversation we have has so much depth and I know I came over here and my computer was broken for 30 minutes and she was just like, no, no, you're fine. Just like very strong, calming presence, but also like don't fuck with me presence. It's amazing. Um, you Thank and you. Dave and your baby are all so lucky to have you. Aww. And um, go ahead and plug Emma Katska Bridal. Where can people find you? And um, pimp yourself out before we go. Yeah. So my Instagram is just at Emma Katska Bridal. And then my website is just emmakatska.com. Um, I also have a studio that's open um, by appointment only downtown in Charleston. Um, so you can find that info on my website. Um, or you can email me at hello at emmakatska.com to make an appointment. Um, and yeah, I love Amazing. you. Take everything I said with a grain of salt. It's all from my personal experience. And that's exactly what you want. <laughs> hopefully this inspired some people to either, you know, get out of some shit that they're in or get into some stuff that will propel them forward either in their career or, you know, I think that the biggest takeaway is just, you know, understanding yourself and don't be scared to take take that little risk yeah you know there's gonna you gotta ebb and flow totally thank you so much for being here and i'm going to put emma's information in the show notes as well as on instagram make sure that you like respond or not respond review the podcast i'm gonna be doing um something like i said in the beginning of the podcast we're gonna be doing a uh review of the week so if you go onto itunes and you leave a review I'm going to be sending you a DM and I'll figure out a way to buy you a cup of coffee this week. So (laughs) that's a great way to energetically support the podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. You will find Emma Katzka on the gram soon and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.